Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats with Peggy Hoyt. Our goal is to keep loved pets in loving homes by educating pet parents about the importance of ensuring every pet has a forever home. For more information about creating a legacy for your pet or to listen to archive shows, visit AnimalCareTrustUSA.org or LegacyForYourPet.com. Join your host, author, estate planning attorney, and animal advocate, Peggy Hoyt. Hello, pet lovers. Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt, and this show is brought to you by the law offices of Hoyt and Bryan, where we create estate plans for pets and their people. Also brought to you by Animal Care Trust USA, a not-for-profit organization dedicated to keeping loved pets in loving homes. We provide pet trust and pet trustee services for pet parents who love their pets. Today, it is my pleasure and I'm excited to introduce you to our special guest. Her name is Karen Belfi and she is one of the founders of Blind Dog Rescue Alliance. Welcome to the show, Karen. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, I'm very excited to uh, learn about Blind Dog Rescue Alliance and all of the wonderful things that go on in the world of blind dogs. Um, I didn't know that you existed, so I'm thrilled to uh, learn about you. Why don't you share a little bit about yourself and the rescue organization with our listeners? Sure. Um, I've been involved in rescue for over 20 years, just in various. I started out with Siberian Husky Rescue and Northern Breed before founding Blind Dog Rescue. Uh, I'm an RN personally, and I'm currently in a doctorate program. Um, I have, my husband and I, we have three dogs of our own, and they're all blind. And a, we also are, have a little hospice foster here. And uh, Blind Dog Rescue Alliance, we founded uh, in 2009 because of just the need, there were so many blind dogs in shelters that needed homes. I had been in a in a group, there was a support group on Yahoo back in the day for blind dog owners that I had joined when I first thought about adopting a blind dog many years ago. And uh, there were so many posts on there for blind dogs who needed, uh, uh, who needed rescue, who were in shelters and owners who couldn't keep them. So a couple of us were talking and we just said, you know, maybe we should start a blind dog rescue. And that one email turned into Blind Dog Rescue Alliance. That is incredible, and um, I, I loved your story um, that you shared with me about how you found your first blind dog. Um, will you share that with our listeners, too? Yeah, so back in 1999, we adopted a Siberian Husky, and if you've ever had a Husky, you know they're very, very busy. So I decided she needed a playmate to keep her, to keep her occupied because she had a lot of energy. So I went on PetFinder.com, and I found a dog named Ray Charles. And he was listed under Husky. I think he was probably a Collie Shepherd. I don't know where they got Husky from, but it worked out well for us because we found him. So I was like, I, he, he was born blind. He was born without eyes, which is called microphthalmia. And my husband, I, I called my husband. I'm like, look, when do I adopt the blind dog? And he's like, are you crazy? How, what Can we take care of a blind dog? What do they need? We didn't have any idea. So I found, I just went searching and I happened to find this Yahoo group, and I joined it and asked everyone what it was like to own a blind dog and what kind of care they needed and did they need anything special. And we ended up adopting Ray Charles, and we had him for over 10 years after that. And um, I stayed on that group and became a moderator of the group. Um, 
and like I said, that's how I found, that's how people have kept posting about dogs needing rescue in Yahoo in this Yahoo group, and so that's how that's where it came from. I think that's so cool, and I love the name that his name was Ray Charles. Yeah, <laughs> um, he kept the name. Did he? Um, that's that's yeah, great. He was Ray Ray. He was actually it was a shame. He was born. I guess the the rescue that he came from was this little rescue in New Jersey, a really nice group, and they um. Had I guess he was almost. They got him right after he was born. I guess they realized he didn't have eyes, and nobody wanted to adopt him because he was blind. Uh, so we ended up taking him home on his second birthday. Oh my gosh! So he was already two years old. I can't believe. Yeah, his his one foster home had him for two years, and nobody. I couldn't believe he had the cutest little face too. I can't believe nobody adopted him. He was just the best dog. Well, he was waiting for you, I believe. He was. All right, so educate us, um, the people um, like me, that I really don't know anything about blind dogs. I've never fostered one. I've never adopted one. Um, tell me some of the eye issues that dogs can um, become subject to. Sure. Well, like I mentioned, my Ray Charles, he had microphthalmia, which is being born without eyes. They thought perhaps with him it was a virus the mother had when, he was, when she was pregnant, and it just affected his eyes. Um, sometimes they can have issues like people do, glaucoma or cataracts. Um, there's something called PRA, which is progressive retinal atrophy, which is a disease of the retina where they gradually lose eyesight. Um, there's another disease called SARS, which is another retinal disease. It's kind of an autoimmune disease that causes pretty sudden blindness. Um, and we were also talking about uh, double merle Aussie Australian shepherds can sometimes be born blind. Um, also trauma, like my, I have Pete was my, I adopted Pete from Blind Dog Rescue. He was a foster and I adopted him 10 years ago. He was found on the side of a highway in South Carolina. Uh, they, they found him and they thought he had been hit by a car because he had some blood on him. When they took him, they found out he had been like maybe birdshot or some kind of BB or buckshot in the eyes and his eyes were so damaged they had to be removed. Mm. And this is this is a dog that you have today. You're Pete. Yep, I'm my Pete. Yep, I still have Pete. All right, I have a Pete too. So Pete's a good dog <laughs> name. Um, it is. So tell us a little bit about what kind of life do blind dogs really have? I mean, do they play and get along just like sighted dogs? They really do. I, you wouldn't. Sometimes you you wish that they wouldn't. They wouldn't be quite so confident. Um, I used to take Pete to a dog park and. He would run. There'd be a pack of 10 dogs, and there was Pete with no eyes right in the middle of everything. There was this big, like, retaining wall on the side that people would sit on. He would jump on and off the wall. He would just run. He had no idea. He couldn't see. He didn't care. He knew where, like, the step was. They really adapt very well. I, have, um, I even have two little Yorkies, two little blind Yorkies here that I adopted. They were fosters I adopted. And they, they had the whole lay of the land. They can even, I have one who can go in and out of doggy door. Oh, And Pete gosh. can as well. Like okay. only when we're home, it's just if they want to go out while I'm, you know, making dinner or something, they can head out into our fenced yard. And, yeah, they know where the, do the door is. We talk them, and they just hop in and out like it's nothing. That's great. The and do you thing, feel like they help each other too? I think some of the, Pete, Pete is just the most confident dog I've ever had. He doesn't need any help, but. I do think some of the uh, the new ones will follow him sometimes just to kind of get the lay of things. 
because we have hardwoods. Sometimes they'll follow each other. They'll hear their nails clicking. And what we do with all our dogs is on their collar, we put a, a bunch of, like, noisy tags so they can hear where each other is so they don't get startled. Okay. And also so they can follow, especially, like, newer dogs. And we also, Pete knows where the steps are, so we don't need to block the steps for him. But the little guys don't. They don't know where the steps are exactly, and they're too little to go up and down. So we do have a gate at the top of the steps so the two Yorkies don't fall down. But if they're not home for whatever reason, Pete can go up and down, and he has the whole lay of the land here. We've moved with Pete. This is our third house since we adopted Pete, and he has learned each house in hours. He has the whole lay of where everything is. It's incredible. Oh, he's really smart, too. What kind of dog did you say he is? He, actually, I did his DNA. He's um, like a foxhound husky mix with a little bit of pit bull in him, too. Foxhound husky. I like mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty cool, it's a good mix. And maybe a little bit of beagle or something, but mostly foxhound. Nice. Okay, it's fun mm-hmm. to do their DNA, too. I um, yeah. I used to have a little uh, mutt dog that we did her DNA, and she came back as a whippet chow chinook. And um, so we would tell people she was a whippy chow nook. You got a new breed. There you go. Yeah, she was a rare breed, but um, it was great. Um, So do dogs that are blind, do they need special care? Well, it depends on the cause of their blindness. Like right now, Pete has no eyes, so there's just no special care. Um, My Billy is one of my Yorkies I talked about. We've had him for a little over a year. He needed, um, he had glaucoma. And so he needed eye drops to control the pressure in his eyes. Um, so, and then he he got a couple of um, ulcers, indolent ulcers that he needed eye drops for. Um, and then eventually he just kept re these ulcers just kept coming back, and we decided just to remove his eyes since he couldn't see anything. And glaucoma and ulcers are painful. There was just no need to keep his eyes in, so we removed them, and he's actually seems much more active and happy now that they're out. Less painful, probably, for him. Yeah, yeah, because glaucoma is like a bad headache, and they can't always tell us. Dogs can be very stoic, you know. Oh my gosh! They yes, they are. Yep, yeah, you know they 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 fake it, and and you don't realize what's going on. So, um, but glaucoma can be just very painful. So, we were controlling, and we were getting his pressures checked. So that's one thing with glaucoma. Once we got his regimen with his drops, and they can need three, four different drops sometimes, one to two. Sometimes it depends. We would take him to the ophthalmologist every six months and just have her take a look, check to be sure his tear production was normal. Uh, he had dry eyes, so he needed dry eye drops, and check to be sure his pressures were good. So that can be the kind of care is follow-up at an ophthalmologist. Okay. Well, and I see that on your site, and folks can go to blinddogrescue.org, um, you have some really good-looking dogs for adoption. Do you want to talk about um uh, Moose, for example. Oh, Moose is isn't he a cutie? He's a pit bull. He just he's very very sweet. He loves everybody, and he also is um he can't hear out of one ear, so he some, sometimes tends to tilt a little bit to the right side. But he uh, he gets excited and he's a, kind of a big guy, so he bounces around. But he's just the sweetest thing. He looks adorable on the site, so I, I love seeing him because um, he reminds me of my little girl, Blue. And then you have a super cutie, too. Her name is Sylvia. She's a little miniature pincher. Yeah, she's a senior. My, I, 
I personally, I have fostered puppies in the past, but I think my puppy days are over. I like the old guys. Give yeah. Me, like the seniors. That's that's who I have here now. I have all mine are twelve and older, probably, and and I just like these old guys. So that's who I've been fostering. They're, I mean, they come in. They're all they, they just want their pillow. They're happy and comfy. They want to snuggle, and that's pretty much with Sylvia. She just wants to cuddle with a person, give her a blanket. And she's and she's pretty housebroken. They learn that pretty quickly too. Yeah, that's terrific. Um, well, and I just love to see that um, you have found a, a niche in the dog world that um, I wasn't really even aware that there was an organization where if somebody was interested in adopting a blind dog, are there other organizations that are like yours that you know of? There have been some kind of smaller local. There was one on the West Coast. I haven't really heard anything about them in a while, seeing there was one down south. I think we're, we're the, 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 the biggest spread out to do this. There is an organization in Maryland, a really nice group called Pets with Disabilities, and they rescue um, just all disabilities. They've had, you know, blind and deaf. They've had wheelchair dogs. They've had seizure dogs. Um, so they do very similar work, and that's also, like I said, a really nice organization. But it seems like there's, there hasn't really been anybody. You said there's these smaller groups, but but nobody as, as big or the scope that we've been doing. Okay, well, keep up the good work. Um, we, we love talking to rescues that have um, interesting niches where they're really um, providing a valuable service. We have a, a rescue here in the Florida area called Lovey Loaves. And um, they rescue um, dachshunds with disabilities. So, I've seen them on Facebook. I follow them. Well, they are so cute. And when you ask them, why do you call the organization Lovey Loaves? They say because dachshunds look like these little lovey loaves of bread that you could just eat them up. Well, so they really do. So. I know. They're so cute. Um, so tell us about your um, typical adopter, if there is one. Is there a, a certain type of person or family that works best with a blind dog? No. Honestly, it's, it's, it's so individual. It's just like each individual dog has, you know, a different need. Because, I mean, the blindness I almost find is secondary to the importance for them being placed. It's more... Kind of like, it's just like different breeds are, are good for different homes, you know. It's that, kind of, it's that personal. Some, I mean, some would be good dogs to run. If people want a running partner, you can get a younger one who'd be great. Pete, in his heyday, loved to go for runs. Um, there was actually a blind sled dog who ran the Iditarod. So there's really no limit. Or, you know, an older dog. We've adopted older dogs out to senior citizens who just want a little companion to snuggle in their lap. And also, all our dogs aren't blind necessarily. Some are just visually impaired or maybe have vision in one eye. Or sometimes they just come in with eye issues that kind of cured. I am um, actually a pit bull mix who was one of my favorite fosters. Um, his name was Andrew. I fostered him several years ago, and he had a, a severe eye infection. It, was, it just looked awful. And then by the time, once we got him here and we, and we healed the infection, he could see fine. Oh, that's great. Great to know. We've, yeah, and we've also sometimes we've had dogs sneak in that the that the shelter would tell us was blind or and then they would get here and they, they could actually see. But I mean, obviously so then we just placed them and they were they kind of snuck in. <laughs> they kinda of snuck in under the radar. That's funny. Well and then you also have some forever fosters. How how does that come about? Well, if we have a dog who we think isn't adoptable for usually it's medical reasons, but sometimes behavioral. 
um, I had a couple of years ago I fostered Olive, and she was a little 14-pound terrier. Uh, she ended up at a shelter because her owner said her owner died, and the owner's family said she was very mean, and they wanted her put to sleep. Oh gosh. Um, yeah, it was terrible. She was 14. She had like seven teeth. I don't know exactly how mean she was going to be, but um, so she came to me. It turned out she could see, but she was pretty deaf. And but she was snappy, like we couldn't pick her up, or she would definitely try to snap at us. Um, so I kept her as a as like a forever foster, and she was with us for like almost a year. And she got very comfortable in my basement. That was her spot, her family room. And she would get mad if we went down there and hung out. I think she was like, "This is my place. Everyone, just bring me food, and then you can leave." Oh my gosh. So that's why, for lots of reasons, or if they, you know, if somebody has severe medical issues, or we find a dog with cancer, or seizures, or anything that we think uh, they're not going to be around too long, or it would be just too much to get for an adopter, they end up staying as kind of a hospice foster. And then the rescue, of course, takes care of any vet work they have for the the life of that dog in the foster home. Okay. Well, and I see you have a an amazingly cute forever foster by the name of Quinn, who. Um, has a really unique story. Do you remember Quinn's story? Yeah, Quinn has uh, microphthalmia. Uh, I'm sorry, Quinn has hydrocephalus, which is an issue with fluid on the brain. Okay. So, so um, that can be a pretty serious condition. She ended up with her forever foster. She's been. They didn't think she had very long to live. Actually, um, she was one of I don't know. Uh, there was a bunch of puppies, ten or eleven in the litter, and. They thought that she just wouldn't make it past a couple of weeks. So we, you know, our foster just held her, thinking that they would just hospice her for a couple of weeks. And um, now it's it's five years later, and Quinn is still going strong. It's really amazing. Well, she just needed a ton of love. It sounds like. Yeah, I mean, it was it was touch and go for a long time. Even though talking with the neurologist, should we, you know, is, is it her time? Should we let her go? And he just said, let's just keep seeing how she does. And she has adapted to her home perfectly so we, you know we just appreciate great. every day we have with her you know yeah and you have a lot of good resources too on your website i see um you have uh common disorder tips for owners and financial assistance for veterinary care and other rescue groups lots of really wonderful information for people out there yeah we try to do what we can and people will also reach out sometimes and ask us about you know, I, I just find out my dog's going blind. What can I do? Should I? People sometimes people seem to think the dog should be put to sleep just because they're going blind. But I mean, that's that's certainly not the case. Sight isn't a dog's strongest sense. So I mean, their hearing and their sense of smell is much more acute than their vision. So they really don't don't care for the most part. They adjust really well. I mean, there's always some here and there who can have issues or take a little longer to adjust. But I mean, I've been fostering. I even had foster blind dogs before blind dog rescue for northern breed rescues, and they just come right in and generally just make themselves at home. That is so great to hear. And uh, tell our listeners, Karen, how they can help support blind dog rescue. We, well, we Obviously, we always need financial support. These dogs can be very expensive. We've sometimes spent thousands of dollars on one dog, but we feel like when we take them in, you know, it's, it's, we have a responsibility to give them the care they need. So each dog can be can be really expensive, um, and we usually do a lot of events in the spring and summer and fall to try to make money and, and sell things and, and just 
raise funds and talk about the rescue, but obviously in these days of COVID, we haven't been able to do that. I know a lot of rescues are hurting because all those events that we usually do in nice weather have all been canceled, of course. Right, that is true. So yeah, rescues need more help than ever, and uh, people can volunteer to help the organization as well? Yep. Oh, absolutely. And people always think, well, I can't foster, so I can't volunteer. But there's so many things that people can do besides foster. You know, we need people to check. For example, when people apply to adopt a dog, uh, we check references and we talk to the family. We check vet references, personal references. We need, and the same with people want to volunteer. We check their references. So we need people to call and do that. We have a, um, a very robust uh, owner surrender team. So if somebody has a blind dog that they need to rehome, we'll work with them. So we need volunteers to do that to kind of keep in touch with the owners and, and find out about the dog and try to find a home for them. Um, also for fundraising, if anybody likes organizing fundraising events, um, when things open up again, we need people to do events. We also do a lot of transporting because we're so spread out. I mean, we have volunteers in Canada, down south, as you know, out through parts of the Midwest. So, I, well, I had a foster a little over a year ago. I'm just outside of Philadelphia, and the dog was adopted in uh, Wisconsin. So we transported. It's almost like a relay. We have volunteers who drive like one to two hour legs and transport the dog to their new home. Um, so we need people to help not even drive, but just kind of help to coordinate them and uh, monitor the transports on the phone. So there's there's just so many things that people can do to help. And I know that transport, yeah, is really helpful for getting people, getting dogs moved from one area to another safely. Right, because even when they come from shelters, like my, my Pete came from South Carolina, and he had to be transported up to me. My other, uh, I have Billy here, a little senior, the little no-eyed Yorkie. He came from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, so we had to get people to transport him up. Um, so that's how we do that. So there's, I mean, there's just endless ways people can help. Well, and I love hearing that there are lots of opportunities for people, and I love knowing that since your inception that you have rescued over 500 dogs. That's incredible, Karen. We actually might be at over 600 now. And it's funny, when we first formed, we were, I lived in Philadelphia at the time, and my house was the office. I was the president, and my husband was the treasurer, so our, our house was the office. And in Pennsylvania, you have to register um, for a kennel license if you adopt out more than 26 dogs in a, cal- in a rolling calendar year. Well, when we formed, we're like, there's no way we're going to adopt out 26 dogs in a year, so there's no point in applying for the kennel license. I think by, like, January, we hit 30. So we were like, okay, I think we better start applying for the kennel license now. <laughs> we just had no idea that we would be as big as we thought we would adopt out, you know, maybe 10, 15 dogs a year. But then people heard about us, and, and word started spreading, and we got a lot, of, a lot of volunteers and a lot of fosters and a lot of adopters because, I mean, because we have dogs of every breed. So when people want to foster, and that's something, too, if people want to foster for us, um, we don't pick the the rescue doesn't pick the dog for you. You pick the dog. Like you know, if somebody has a house of small dogs, we're not going to send you a Great Dane to foster. You kind of pick who you think would work in your home. So we have a team who will post dogs who need who need rescue from a shelter from from owners who can't keep them. And then if somebody wants to wants to foster, they reach out to the foster team. So you know, if you like little dogs and you want to foster a little dog, then you then you see one come through. 
Or, you know, you like your Aussies, and we were ta- talking about if you see an Aussie who needs a foster, you can step up and say, hey, I'd like to foster that dog. Or if you're on vacation and you don't, have, and you don't want to foster because you won't be home, then you just take a foster break. So it's very based on whatever the home wants. It's not us telling you. It's you telling us that you, that you have time and the ability to take a dog in right now, as often or as seldom as you want to. Well, and I, I know that you said that you have puppies on occasion, and I'm sure people are interested in fostering puppies. Yep. We, yeah, we get a lot of puppies in, actually. And people, yeah, so whatever people want to foster, puppies to seniors, little to big. And when you foster, also rescue covers all the, all the vet work. Um, you, generally, the foster home will supply like food and toys. And, but we even have toys we can send. Sometimes we get food donated. Um, so most of and, and all the vet work, like I said, is covered. No matter how expensive, the rescue would take care of that. So there's really no expenses for the foster home to worry about. That's great to know. So if a person wanted to foster, do they fill out your adoption application? Nope, we have a volunteer application. Okay. And then if you put on that you're interested in fostering, then the foster team would reach out to you and talk to you about it. And then oh, okay. And we have an email. Yeah, we've got an email list for volunteers. So that's how people get information too. Like once you once your application is approved, and you're a volunteer, then you would um, be a part of the, the mailing list. And then any kind of volunteer opportunities would be posted. Like, hey, we need somebody to, you know, maybe check links on our website to be sure there's nothing that's uh, outdated. Or we need somebody just to reach out to some owners to see how their dogs are. Does anybody have time to do that? Or if dogs are in shelters and need a foster, that'll get posted if anybody can help. Very cool. Um, I love that. So I hope people will take the time to go to the website and fill out the volunteer sign-up form and get involved with Blind Dog Rescue Alliance. Um, you say you're in Pennsylvania, but it doesn't matter where your fosters are, right? Nope. You can. Right now, we're pretty much all around the East Coast and part of the Midwest. But we have we've had fosters in Colorado, on the West Coast. Um, and volunteers obviously can be anywhere. For we, Like I said, we have volunteers in Canada um, who have fostered as well. We had one for a while in, uh, in New Zealand, I believe, and she would do some website stuff for us. So you really can live anywhere, and with the age of the Internet now, you can live anywhere and still help us. Yeah, that is the greatest thing that uh, we've all discovered, that uh, we live in a very, very small world where we can help each other even if we live thousands of miles apart. Absolutely. Um, so what would you leave us with here today, Karen, um, in terms of what you would like the listeners to specifically know about Blind Dog Rescue Alliance? Uh, I guess just to let people know that, um, that we're here and that we're here to help and we always need assistance. And just to know how great blind dogs are. I'm, I, I guess I think people think that, oh, my gosh, if I went blind, it would just be terrible. But... They're, they dogs. You just learn so much from them every day. They are just so happy. You would have seen my my three blind dogs running around here, and they just have so much fun, and they just enjoy life so much. They love going for walks, and they love going for rides in the car. And the little guys, I'll take into like into Home Depot and stores sometimes, and they they just they just love everything, and they're just happy, and they're just like any other dog. Well, that's the best part to know. Um, and I guess there is another question that I wanted to ask. So um, when a person adopts a blind dog, is there anything special that they should know about getting that dog settled into their new environment? I think it's probably mostly like 
any dog is it's going to take time for them to settle in. Whenever, I mean, since I've been doing, like I said, rescue for about 20 years now, and we always tell people the same thing, that they're going to take, you know, they've been bounced around. They, they were, you know, they were with their owner, then they may have ended up in a shelter and then a foster home, and now they're with you. They just need a little bit of time to figure out what's going on. So they, they just need a little bit of patience. And the, and the blind ones need it just like any other dog. There's some time to settle in, and the blind ones maybe even a little bit more to figure out where, where things are. Um, there's lots of little things you can do for blind dogs when they are in a new place. You can set, like you can kind of spray some scented oil maybe at the door so they can smell where the doorway is to go in and out. Um, you, or also furniture you could spray so they can smell like where the, so they don't bang into table legs. Um, mm-hmm. You can, there's lots of things. You can put like mats down by the back door that has a different texture so they can feel where the doorway is or at the bottom of stairs so they'll know the steps are there. Um, you can. You also have to be careful sometimes if dogs have eyes but they're blind. You need to be careful. There's nothing that could poke them in the eye because they can't see to, you know, duck a branch. Right. And so there. And for dogs who have a hard time settling in, they're also. I haven't. I haven't needed these for my dogs, but I know some people have. It's a hoop and harness. So it's almost like a harness with a hoop that goes around the dog's head. So if they're walking and they're going to bump into something, the harness kind of hits it first and gives them a warning so they don't walk into it. Oh, I like that. Some dogs find that super helpful. Yeah, it's kind of a neat idea, right? Yeah. Well, and of course, your Pete wouldn't need that because he has eyes in the back of his head, even though he doesn't have eyes. He really does. It's, it's, you wouldn't even believe. We take him for walks, and he's still he's probably 11 or 12 now. We don't know exactly because he would stray. And he runs. You ought to see him run down the street. And there's, we go to a corner, and we go left, and he knows where the corner is, and he'll just turn left, and he's in front of us. He runs <laughs> That's up and amazing. down the steps. Yeah, he, uh, he opens uh, baby gates. We had baby gates at the top of our steps at our old house, so we could kind of get the groceries in without dogs sneaking out. And he used to post his little paw throw and open the gate. Maybe so he's baking. I know. That's what everyone <laughs> are you sure there aren't eyes in there somewhere? I said, I know, I feel like I feel like there are, but, like, if he could see, he'd be one of those dogs you couldn't keep in because he could open doorknobs and things. Right, like, yeah. Straighter, I swear, if he'd, he'd be one of them. That's, that's very cool. Well, um, it's nice to know that um, there is an organization out there like Blind Dog Rescue Alliance that is doing so much for these very deserving dogs that just want a forever home and somebody that will love them and an opportunity to just keep on being a dog. Yeah, we we just love doing what we're doing, and we really appreciate the support of everybody because we couldn't do this if we didn't have people willing to support us and, and donate to us and adopt our dogs and follow us. We have um, a Facebook and Instagram. People can follow us and, and keep an eye on what we're doing. And if anybody has any questions, you can visit our website at blinddogrescue.org. You can email us, info at blinddogrescue.org, or message us on Facebook or message us on Instagram. We're, we're here. All right. Well, and I, I see you on Blind Dog Rescue um, on Facebook. And um, so everybody should go there and like this organization and find out more about what they're doing and open your heart and your home um, to a blind dog. I think that's Thank excellent. Thank you so much. You Thanks are for, so uh, welcome. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about rescue.
Yeah, absolutely. Well, and thank you for joining us. And for our listeners, you're listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats. We're here every Monday, and you can find us on Facebook at All My Children Wear Fur Coats and on Twitter at Kids in Fur Coats. And we're here for the purpose of talking about animals and encouraging pet parents to make sure that they create an estate plan that makes sure that their pet stays in a loving home forever. So we believe in pet trusts, and we hope that you'll join us each and every week. And you know my motto, it is until there are none, please adopt one. Thank you so much, Karen, for joining us. Thank you. All right. Happy tales, everybody. See you next time. Thank you for joining us on All My Children Wear Fur Coats with your host, Peggy Hoyt. We hope you learned something valuable for the benefit of your pet. We want to keep loved pets in loving homes by educating pet parents about the importance of ensuring every pet has a forever home. Get more information about creating a legacy for your pet at AnimalCareTrustUSA.org or LegacyForYourPet.com. Buy a copy of All My Children Wear Fur Coats, How to Leave a Legacy for Your Pet on Amazon. Join our email list or make a donation. Pet professionals and advisors are invited to join our trusted advisor network. Until next time, happy tales!